right, everybody, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to be joined here by a special guest. He is one of the leading writers over at the Denver Gazette. Uh, been on the Pickaxe and Roll podcast before. It is my guy, Vinny Benedetto. Make sure to give him a follow. What's your handle again, Vinny? I, I'm sorry I didn't put it up on the screen. Yeah, it's just a uh, first initial, last name. So V. Benedetto. Perfect. Uh, very easy to remember. Very easy to figure out. Uh, Vinny does great work. He is a, a traditional beat reporter on the Nuggets scene, as everybody here should probably know. Uh, but Vinny and I sit next to each other at Nuggets games constantly. And I'm sure I have annoyed Vinny so many times with talking into his ear while he is trying to do something and focus on something. So Vinny, what is the most annoying thing that I do when I'm at the Nuggets games? No, it, there's there's no annoyance factor. Uh, it's helpful because like we were talking last night, I, I have to be writing for, for stretches of the game. Um, so you're definitely, you're, you're picking up on things that I'm missing. So there, there's no annoyance at all. It's actually really helpful for you to, to point some things out because there are times where I'll be looking at my computer and you'll you'll have one of your classic reactions and I'll be like ah oh, crap what did I miss and then I then I'm looking up at the video board to to react you know 30 seconds after after you alerted me to something something important happening <laughs> everybody's got to play their role my my role is doing the rotation charts and that's that's the one the one thing I try to bring to the table when we're at the at the games you are a consistent force on the beat. And you, you actually have traveled this year too. Uh, do you have a favorite destination destination so far that you've gone to so far this year? Yeah, I haven't made too many trips, but uh, I was in San Francisco, uh, you know, just this last weekend for the Warriors game. And, uh, you know, San Francisco is pretty great. You know, as a runner, I, I enjoy the opportunity to uh, – you know, get out and, and jog around some of these different cities. And, you know, San Francisco has got a pretty great layout with the Bayfront. Easy, easy way to get, uh, get some miles in, not at altitude. And, uh, you know, Warriors PR make, makes it really easy. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, that, that's gotta, that's gotta top the list for now. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Obviously I, I haven't done a lot of, a uh, lot of running in my day. I was a, I was a football and, and baseball guy. And, uh, that, that, that was a long time ago, but, Football, you would you would do the short burst stuff and definitely not any long distance running. That was like hell for, for <laughs> the majority of us, especially us offensive linemen. So uh, definitely uh, not not my not at the top of the the tier here. But uh, still nice to chat. Still nice to talk. And and I I would love to be out in like imagine a first round series in San Francisco. That would be. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be that would be an interesting time. I, the last time I was in San Francisco was when I was, I think, six months old. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what my parents told me. They they once took me to San Francisco, and I have no recollection of it at all. Um, yeah. So it's it's nice to see nice to see uh, somebody's getting out there. Other than our guy Bennett Durando over at the Denver Post. Um, but yeah, we're we're everybody plays a role, man, and you play a, a very integral role within the Nuggets beat and. It's it's always funny just uh trying to manage those pressers. And like you you and I know, like we it's sometimes a, a three-man weave between you, me, and Bennett at these home games, man. It's just especially when Jamal comes to the podium, that's always uh that's always a joy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry I left you left you guys hanging on uh Wednesday night because uh, I think there are a few of us who walked to the locker room right as right as Jamal was walking into his post-game presser. So uh, yeah, we got we got to cover it for each other sometimes. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into this game. Let's get into this game. Last night, the Denver Nuggets defeated the Miami Heat one hundred three to ninety seven. Uh, this was a fun game, man. I, I really enjoyed this one, and it's it's one of those ones that like, you're going to remember for different reasons. Jamal obviously goes down with the ankle injury in kind of the mid to late second quarter time, and. Denver had been rolling at that point. They had been playing pretty well. And then it became a battle. Then it became one of those grinded out, grimy, ugly kind of games. And it's just sometimes it's fun to watch those because I, we talked about this last night and I asked Malone about this. 
you need to win in different ways if you're a championship team. And Denver found a way to win in kind of a grimy, ugly way, which very reminiscent of those finals games. I'm sure you remember very well and clear. Uh, these games against Miami are, are never easy for Denver. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, re very reminiscent of those finals games. I think the, the main thing that kind of stuck out to me from last night's game is the the size issues the Heat had in the finals are still you know very evident today. Um, apparently, they took a, a rebound away from from Aaron Gordon, but there was a point last night where Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nicole Jokic all had double digit rebounds. So mm. um, you know the, the Heat, you know, were without Kevin Love. Maybe that helps uh, a little bit there, but you know. As it stands right now, I still think Miami has some some size issues to in this matchup before before we get too too far with uh, you know thinking about a finals rematch. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. They'll they'll have to work pretty hard in order to get back to it. I think they've they've got a harder road certainly than Denver does in the in the Western Conference just individually. But it is fun to think about what what this would look like in in terms of a finals rematch. And uh, credit to Michael Porter, man, because. Jamal Murray goes down with the injury and, and Denver's entire like plan changes at that point when, when Murray goes down, because they so often go to the Jokic Murray two man game. Murray had been rolling so far post all-star break. And that's another kind of byproduct of this, that it just sucks to see him like after he had been playing well and, and just came off of maybe his best game of the year, this, this last game, uh, just, uh, just have to fight through it again. If you're Jamal, I guess, but, Credit to Michael Porter had 30 points through three quarters. I think he had his 10 or 11 rebounds through three quarters as well. Kind of weird that didn't really have any stats in the fourth. Like that seems, that seems problematic in, in some ways, but like still was able to kind of dominate through three quarters. He was the player of the game, no doubt. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, you know, one thing we hear from Michael Malone quite a bit, whenever we talk about Michael Porter Jr. is the maturation process and just how he's, um, evolving in terms of reading the game and, and picking his spots. And I think last night, you know, I went back and, and briefly, uh, you know, rewatched portions of it because to our previous conversation, there, there are times during the game where I'm looking down at my computer screen and I miss something. But uh, one thing that kind of jumped out on, on a quick rewatch was that anytime he had Duncan Robinson in front of him, it was forget catch and shoot, forget step back jumpers. We're going to, overpower this guy and get to the bucket for for layup so i thought that was you know good to see from michael porter jr especially in a game when they're without jamal murray for the second half so yeah definitely definitely he's the the player of the game last night and uh um it was a little bit of an odd fourth quarter i think he missed all four of his shots there in the fourth um but it, it, it it's better than the you know it feels like a month or two ago we were like we were used to seeing Michael Porter Jr. with a 10-point first quarter or a 15-point first half, and then he then he finishes with, uh, you know, 17 or 18 points, just kind of is no longer involved in the second half. And, and, you know, Jamal not being out there probably played a part in that. But, uh, you know, Mike, Mike was big in that third-quarter stretch where they were kind of figuring out what this is going to look like without Jamal in that second half. It was big time. I think he had 18 at the half and then had 12 in the third quarter by himself. And and some of those shots where he's coming off of pick and roll with Jokic, like he doesn't ever really get to showcase that that often. That's that's one of those things where if Denver has a choice, they're going to have Jamal run a pick and roll or KCP run a pick and roll or DHO. They don't ever really let Mike run the high pick and roll. And it's it's one of the criticisms that I've had of Denver's kind of development with Porter. Yes. You want to narrowly focus on some of the things and make sure that he's a tip top shape with some of those other aspects, but this is the exact reason why you want him to continue to have that skill development, because there are going to be times where Murray goes down or Murray is resting for a, for a bench stint or something like that, that it would be nice to have Porter sort of take advantage of that. And too often, like the, what Porter would do in those situations throughout this year was he would take a dribble or two. He would rise up, and then he would pass the ball back to Jokic, and then like cut and maybe maybe come back for a DHO something like that. But you see him come off that screen and rise up for a a, a three pointer because just going to his right, and that's one of those shots where you you get that into your game, and everything sort of opens up for you as a shooter. So really nice to see him. That's a star shot. There's a star shot for sure. And, 
he has completely evolved in that regard. Um, still some things that I, I nitpick at for sure, as, as many people do, but really excited to see where, where Porter can go from here uh, because there is more to go. There's, there's more to tap into in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, you know, we could see some of that more with the bench where he, I, I, he's been a guy who I, I think I've kind of lobbied to, to see stagger with that second unit more for, for the last season or two. And I think that's a, a perfect time for, for the nuggets and Michael Porter jr. To kind of explore his game in that half court, because uh, when that group isn't getting stops and getting out and running, it, it can be a little bit of an adventure in that, in the half court with, with the group we've seen of late and, you know, Regardless of it's you know Zeke Naji or DeAndre Jordan playing those backup big minutes, it feels like there would be room for for that group to explore. Michael Porter Jr.'s playmaking is probably too strong of a term, but uh, explore the game, explore, explore, the, game. explore the bag a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, by the way, they, Malone said "f that" to uh, Zeke Naji or DeAndre Jordan backup center minutes yeah. and in this one that that's how you know how much this game mattered to him that's how you know how much it, it matters to the nuggets is that they they went aaron gordon at the five and they gave michael porter exactly two minutes off in that second half in the last two minutes of the third quarter and then he played the entire rest of the way interesting to see denver handle it that way uh no i, I think it's it's interesting there, there are ways that they can do it Obviously, last night, not necessarily the most emblematic way, but I like those minutes where Murray is on the floor kind of leading the second unit with Mike next to him. Uh, it's one of the things that I noticed in the the Philadelphia 76ers first matchup where Embiid goes out and then Maxi and Tobias Harris were both on. And, and that was the time where Denver really lost that particular game back in January because they had two capable scorers at that point. So would be interesting to see Denver kind of go to that. And I, I think that they will in a playoff environment for sure. Um, Jokic, not necessarily at his peak form last night, especially as a, as a shooter, as a scorer, but ultimately gets the job done. 18 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists or so. Um, anything that stands out about his game in particular, or is this just a, hey, Bam did a great job uh, in that matchup? I think it it starts with Bam doing a great job with a with a footnote that it was second night of a back to back and the Nuggets really leaned on Nikola quite a bit um, in in both both games there. Um, it was it was you know an atypically inefficient night for for Joker. I think he'd live with with most of the shots he took. It didn't feel like he was pressing much or or, or getting shots he wasn't comfortable with. Um, but it was good to see him. I think he. he finished with what, like eight of Denver's last 12 points as they like hung on for, for victory there down the stretch. So even though it wasn't, uh, you know, a remark remarkable first three and a half quarters, I think, you know, this in this matchup, especially uh, the Nuggets feel pretty good. And with, you know, like 28 of the matchups around the league, the Nuggets feel pretty good about, you know, what, what Nicola can do. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I, uh, credit to Bam, and and I I asked Nicole about that last night for that reason. Like he has a lot of respect for Bam. He has a lot of respect for the way that he approaches the game. Bam kind of approaches it as a glue guy. Where and Nicola said this last night, where he is one of the leaders on the team, but he also does all the glue guy things, which is one of those like it's it's an important trait of a leader. It's an important trait of a worker, and it's why like. Jimmy's got to continue to do more for them. And, and he wasn't exactly great last night. They need a guy like Tyler hero to take on some of the scoring and he wasn't there. So I wonder how this matchup would have evolved if, if both teams were fully healthy and rested, but uh, can, can never get that, but there will be another Miami matchup going forward that we'll see how it works in Miami in March at some point. But I'm, I'm curious about that one and whether we get something similar because this was, very competitive and the starters just going back and forth with each other was it was a lot of fun to watch i think yeah it was uh you know it it was it was managed like a playoff game i wouldn't say the arena was, was full playoff atmosphere but it wasn't terribly far off um yeah. and then and then you just get down to the, the pace of play and you know it was it was miami's i think preferred style in terms of a little bit slower a bit more mucked up but 
Um, to, to your previous point, you gotta you gotta find ways to win games in different ways, and so that's I think that's definitely something the the Nuggets can bookmark, and there are things they can come back to and say, hey, remember that that first game against Miami in uh, on Leap Day, and you know they'll they'll be able to to you know I think there are some things last night they can they can uh, explore going going forward. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about KCP, Aaron Gordon, and, and some of the other defensive aspects of Denver's game. Should be a lot of fun. But first, I got to tell everybody about the bills that we have to pay uh, with Superbook Sports, uh, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And you can use the promo code MILEHIGH uh, down low, and you'll score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code mile high download that superbook sports app enter the promo code and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of superbook sports visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling prompt call 1-800-GAMBLER we'll be right back on pickaxe and roll Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Joined by my guy, Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette. Uh, everybody, make sure to go follow Vinny at V Benedetto on that X app where he, he uh, does a running commentary of the game. Uh, very like similar to me, probably a little bit more like official and less cursing uh, with with what you you decide to put out on Twitter. So it's uh, it's always nice to have different perspectives on that. Um Let's talk about the defense. You mentioned this prior to the podcast with me that uh, whether it was Aaron Gordon or KCP, KCP had the most important kind of game deciding force turnover of the night. But there were segments throughout this game from Denver where the defense just ratcheted up to a playoff level, maybe even a championship level. And Denver went through a lot of different combinations. What was it? What were some of the things that you noticed about the defense last night that you liked? Yeah, just how they got it done in different ways. You know, obviously Jamal was out there for the entire first quarter and and the Heat are held to 20 points in the first quarter and then he's not out there at all in the third and they go to, a you know, a different lineup with, with no real point guard and they're able to get it done that way. So I think it's it's encouraging that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like they gave up 30 points in each of the first two quarters and then after halftime, you know, they had to go to this exotic kind of playoff rotation um, to get it done. So, yeah, I think it was it was really pretty encouraging. And, um, you know, Michael Porter with two blocks and two steals is, you know, I think you look at the starting lineup and everybody, you know, had either a steal or a block, everyone who played more than, you know, 15 minutes. So um, really, I think a, a pretty connected effort from from the starters and that that lineup where they they went without a real point guard. Lots of interesting groups, and that lineup that you're speaking of in that third quarter, KCP at point guard, Christian Brown at shooting guard. They so they when in in those considerations, and they sometimes they'll talk about Christian as the point guard, but I, usually I see Christian or uh, KCP like handling in those particular groups. Uh, Michael Porter, Peyton Watson, and Nikola Jokic. That was fascinating to me, and it, I think you hit the nail on the head that like there will be times where they have to go to that group, right? Like there will be times where maybe Reggie Jackson's not really cutting it on the defensive end. Maybe they need a different look. Maybe there's a point guard that they have to slow down on the opposing side and they are looking to get into a more defensive battle. Denver's got a couple young wings in Christian Brown and Peyton Watson who can adapt their game into and can play like that. And then you just surround them with Jokic and Porter and, and KCP as a shooter. And generally Denver's going to do enough at that point. They'll be fine. Um, I like that group a lot. And I think you, you you're on to something with that being a potential playoff lineup. Yeah. And I just think that it, it kind of, um, you know, when you've got Nikola Jokic out there, it makes the offense a whole lot easier as you know, everyone understands. Um, but with that group, especially, it, you know, you don't need a point guard because you got Joker out there, you know, running the show. And yeah, I think it's, you know, just 
inc- increase. I don't, I don't know if it's something they're going to want to do, you know, last night, like they did for a stretch of like six or seven minutes later in the season. But I think it's something that you can steal three or four minutes, you know, in, in different parts of the game. So it's something I, you know, I would, I would come back to in the playoffs. I think, especially if uh, Reggie Jackson kind of continues with uh little inefficiency that we've seen, you know, dating back for, you know, maybe a little while now. Yeah, it's been a been a little bit uh, with Reggie. I, I think maybe we should talk about that. Uh, you know, let's actually talk about it in the third segment when we when we kind of do some circle of trust, guys. We'll we'll talk about that then. But um, I do think that at this point, Denver they've, they've got a couple of different combinations that they can go to, and especially like like you said, this is a bridge lineup between when Murray and Gordon come back on the floor. Maybe Gordon comes back on as the the backup five and then Murray's leading the second unit and things like that, where they, they kind of get into a, a little bit of a different look. Uh, but I could see this working. I, I could see this being a, a go-to lineup for Denver at points in the playoffs. And that's exciting to see. That's, that's one of those things. Like I've been thinking about this and talking about this as like Denver needs these different groups that they can trust that aren't the starting lineup. Because they'll obviously go back to the starting lineup, and that's what's going to play the most amount of time, and they'll probably play those guys together at least about 24 minutes of the game. But there are 24 other minutes that they need to come up with different options, that they need to come up with different solutions. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can ultimately do with it, but you need to find ways with those staggered groups to be effective, and this is one of them that I would say that's a, a playoff-caliber group. Um KCP, we should we should mention him. Obviously, the the game deciding turnover forced was great, but he shot the ball well, and he shot the ball well over the course of these last couple games. He's been kind of in a slump here. Are you you noticing him kind of get back over that that finger injury, or is this just a time of the year where where he's just locked in? I guess. Yeah, I think it's been beneficial that he hasn't played with that, like, the bulkier. I don't know if it was, like, a complete splint or if it was just, like, a padded bandage on that pinky because, you know, you, you don't shoot the ball with your pinky, but it was a pretty significant wrap around the pinky on his right shooting hand. So, like, I, I have to imagine, you know, it was just, like, a, a even a small, slight distraction can, sure. can, can you know, impact your shot pretty significantly even if you're like trying to hold your pinky off the ball you know i think it was something that just probably um just hurt his shot a little bit and then you know these last two you know on on wednesday night i don't i don't think there was any bandage at all on the finger and then last night it was like a smaller kind of more flexible um bandage so um i i think that is you know no small part of it um and, you know, I, I just think the sample size with him is so, so large, you know, over the course of the last five years of his career that I, I'm not going to sweat, you know, any, any small sample size shooting slumps, especially when there's a, an, an injured finger involved. But, you know, these last two games were, were certainly, uh, you know, good to see, just see him kind of snap out of that, that shooting slump a little bit. It's hard. It's hard to remember. He's only 31. Like, Sometimes it feels like he's older than what he actually is, where you, you kind of go through the veterans on the group, guys who have been in the league for a long time. KCP has been in the league for over 10 years now, so it's sometimes you, you forget that he's only 31 because he came into the league at a, a relatively young age. But nice to see him sort of bounce back. And, and he was talking about that, I think, after Wednesday night's game, I want to say that he had been going through a little bit of a slump, a little bit of a, a lower point, uh, and it was nice for him to kind of get out of it. So I'm hoping it continues, man. Denver's more dangerous when he is shooting that way. Uh, was was really, really nice to see. Uh, Aaron Gordon as well, matching up with Jimmy Butler throughout the game. And like 7 of 17 for Jimmy did go to the free throw line nine times, but missed, missed three of those shots was a pretty important one. But any anytime you kind of hold Jimmy to what Aaron Gordon held him to, uh, Denver's going to be at an advantageous spot. There's there's no doubt about it in my mind. So, uh, really good stuff from from AG as well. Peyton Watson, um, I'm I'm, a, I'm Peyton Watson's been bad out of the All Star break. Like, I don't know if he's had a really good game since the All Star break. Um, I I might be 
not maybe it was the first one that they played against Washington that I think he had a pretty solid game. But outside of that one, it's been pretty much a struggle fest for him. Uh, what are you seeing from him? Is he like, cause it looked like he was amped out of his mind last night. <laughs> yeah. That, that alley-oop he threw to Mike. And I think it was the third quarter where, you know, I don't know if, you know, professional dunkers could get to that one. Cause that, I mean, he lofted that. <laughs> that was like 15 feet in the air. Um, <laughs> And then right after that, he had a, you know, it looked like it was going to be a transition dunk that he, uh, you know, just kind of flubbed. I don't, I don't know if he slipped or didn't get his uh, steps right or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, Peyton's just kind of in, a, in an interesting place right now. It's um, time of the year where and I'm sure we'll get to this in, in the circle of trust, but it's, if he just does the things that he's good at, you, it feels like you get pretty solid performances. Then when he tries to um, add or show that he is more than just, you know, the defender and transition guy, then things I think can get a little off the rails. But he's a young guy, and I think he's earned the right, you know, in some sense to um, see see what more he can do. Maybe you would prefer it come in a, you know, less high-stakes game than the first NBA Finals rematch. But sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I so I think I think it's interesting. I think I, I think it's him trying to see what he can be because there we we've seen the potential of you know the high end. I don't know if star potential is putting it too strong, but we've seen the flashes of him being a really high quality rotation player and a guy who could you know will probably be in the playoff rotation this year. Um, but then when he tries to um, when he gets a little beyond that, I think, you know, as you would expect with a young player, there there are highs and lows. So um, I think I think the foundation and and the floor for him is still pretty high as a as a contributor on this team. Um, we just might need to wait, you know, another year or two before we can uh, go wild with the you know realizing his potential and, and and fretting about how how high the ceiling really is. Yeah, it is. It is funny to watch that, like. You, you forget sometimes how young these guys are. And it's one of the things that I definitely, I took some criticism over of being like, hey, maybe Denver needs another guy. Maybe they need somebody else that they can really trust here. And like more like credit to Peyton for being able to hold up in this rotation for as long as he has. And like he will continue to hold up in the rotation, I think, into the playoffs. But I, I do think that this is, I think, a healthy reminder of when the pressure gets really, really high, there are certain guys that aren't necessarily going to be awesome the entire time. And Peyton looked very, I don't want to say rattled, but like the first defensive possession that he had against Jimmy Butler, where Jimmy isolates against him and he pushes like Peyton under the basket and then dunks over the top of him. Like that is a grown man playoff move that Peyton I don't think was ready for. So he's going to have to find like they're they're going to he's going to have learning moments, that's for sure. This is all about learning moments. He's all going to be like like he's got to go through it at some point. Christian went through it last year a little bit too. So there's going to be times where you you need him to step up in a big regard and he may not be ready for it and like people just have to understand that it's going to take some time. Yeah, and I think um I think he might be, and I'm sure we'll get to this, and I don't want to go too far into it, but I think he might be a guy who has a, a kind of a shorter leash come the playoffs where, you know, there there are a few veterans behind him and, you know, one in particular who who appears to um, be ready to, you know, talking about Justin Holiday here. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, he came into the game last night in a brief stretch and, like, he has, it appears he has the green light to be aggressive because I think he got, like, three threes yeah, up in the first two minutes. So um, <laughs> he's not shy. He's, you know... They've they've trusted him in big spots, so um, I think that'll be a motivating factor for Peyton. And just like if I want to hold on to this rotation spot for the playoffs, there can't be any of the, uh, um, just, yeah, like that first possession, just getting kind of outworked or over muscled to the bucket. And, and then there were, I think, you know, other times in the game where his closeouts were, you know, just a little bit too much, um, a little too, yeah, a little too aggressive. So um, yeah, we'll call those learning moments. No doubt about it. There's there's plenty of time for him to learn. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
but I do think that it's it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be a storyline throughout the throughout the playoffs. I think like which guys Denver can get to, which guys that they can believe in. Um, final thing before we hit a break, Denver went back and forth between Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown in clutch time last night. I probably would have preferred Christian just outright, just because they. I don't think they needed to score a ton in those minutes, but they really needed a guard. And there were plenty of possessions where Reggie wasn't great defensively, where they they didn't necessarily get what they wanted defensively. Now, to be fair, when Christian was out there, Denver didn't get all stops all the time either. So there's there's something to be said there. But I liked what I saw from Christian. There were a couple of times where he had to bring the ball up the floor in clutch time and handled the pressure pretty well. I, I will say that. That's uh, That's nice to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what they provide there. But kind of that battle of what happens between when Jamal's not out there in the clutch, that's such a prevalent thing, obviously, for what Denver does. Uh, what did you think about Denver kind of going back and forth between Reggie and Christian? Yeah, I think it, I think it made sense to do the kind of, you know, it was like ext- an extended stretch of offense for defense subs. And I think, you know, one thing um, – That'll be interesting if they go without Jamal for, you know, tomorrow's game in LA. I, I think it, it could almost it could be a good thing for Reggie in that playing alongside the starters is going to produce higher quality looks than he would be with the bench, and maybe that's a way to kind of um, get him back on track is get him some easy looks because, uh, you know, for the last um, few weeks, month, whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, Reggie struggled to score efficiently. And and if the bench kind of asked a lot of him offensively, especially in the half court. Um, so I, if he's not providing that, you know, steady scoring, then I think it makes sense, you know, just to, to pull the plug on offense, defense subs, and just go with Christian Brown there um, in extended stretch without, you know, a true point guard because Joker can, can take on so much of the creation. Um, but yeah, I, I still think Reggie's going to be an important piece of this team, and um, you know maybe maybe a game playing alongside the starters can can get him back on track. Will be interesting to see. I'm I'm curious to see how they handle it. Uh, that's that's one of those things that I keep I keep talking about. I keep looking at it and thinking, man, would be nice. Denver's got to have options. They've got to have guys that they can trust, and so. I think it's actually good that Denver didn't have Jamal last night because it gave them a nice little learning curve for what they're going to see from Reggie, what they're going to see from Christian in those kinds of moments, and maybe what they need from other guys too. So should be fascinating to track. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about and rank circle of trust, guys. Should be very fun. But first, I want to let everybody know about a thing that's happening tomorrow. Uh, We are going to be going to number 38. Uh, Vinny, have you ever been to number 38 before? I have not, but you were telling me about it a couple days ago, and sounds like you guys got a pretty cool thing going on. It should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This is one of those venues where you get the wristband, and, and you ch- kind of check in your card, and then once like you just pay with your wristband for everything, you don't have to worry about having to pay uh, different outlets, different vendors, uh, different folks that are trying to serve you alcohol, things like that. And you just you, you show them your wristband, and once you go up and you, you kind of pay like that, and then once you're done, then you pay your tab sort of at the end. And I, it's a it's a pretty cool kind of futuristic option. So uh, should be interesting to watch. I, I will be on stage tomorrow night with uh, Denver Stiffs uh, Zach Mikosh, the site manager for Denver Stiffs, as well as our guy Swipa. Uh, three of us are going to be doing a post-game podcast after the Nuggets and Lakers play. So make sure to RSVP down in the description below. RSVP and get out to number 38. Game starts at 6.30 p.m. You do not want to be late. There will be giveaways. There will be a DJ. There will be $15 pitchers. It's going to be a good, good time. Should be a lot of fun. Um, we will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Oh, and by the way, get your Joker shirt. That is another thing that is uh, being that's that's 
like tomorrow is your final day. Tomorrow's your final day to get the Joker shirts. If you are, uh, if you're interested in that, it is is one of the beautiful designs here from my guy Anilo Piro. Uh, final day. You can also find that in the description. It is a pretty sick design, and and I think it's uh it's one of those things that you you don't want to miss this limited drop. So make sure to get that too. All right. We are back at it. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, joined by my guy Vinny here. Let's rank Circle of Trust, guys, man. Let's uh let's do this. I I think and correct me if I'm wrong. I think we should just outlaw the starters. Like the starters are kind of in their own tier, including Michael Porter. And you have games like last night where there will be times where he doesn't close. There will be times where. Maybe KCP doesn't close, but for the most part, I, I know Jokic, Murray, and, and Gordon will probably close every game. Although there was a time last year where Denver like had Gordon on the sidelines and Jeff Green closed in a game where they needed a little bit of spacing against the Lakers. I think it was in game three, I want to say, of that of that game. But like, look, most of the time, the starters are going to be closing. They they will be out there. They'll be doing the the things that you need, and they're going to play over 30 minutes every single every single time unless they're in foul trouble or injured. So will be fun to watch. Um, but we should talk about the bench. We should talk about the guys. And I, I want to see if we could come up with a ranking, a list of the circle of trust guys. And I, let me kick it off here with this quote from Michael Malone. He said this pregame last night, and I wanted to point it out. Quote, I can't recall many teams that have won a championship trying to also play as many young guys as we're playing off the bench. Additionally, he says, obviously, you look at the continued development of those players. That's only going to bode well for us in the future. In the future, sort of being the the proper word there. Um, Vinny, I am... I'm kind of of the opinion that Michael Malone would have preferred to get a veteran at some point and would have would prefer to have some other veteran options. And he might be missing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green right now a little bit, just with the way like Denver's got to go to war in some of these games. And sometimes you just don't don't know what you're going to get from a stability perspective from like even Christian Brown, who is like a, a veteran, like or like not even like he's a second year player, like, but he's one of those guys that you would think he would trust. But there are also times where Christian Brown got benched last year because like, he wasn't making the right defensive reads and right defensive assignments. So I wanted to start it out with that, just kind of your takeaways from that quote and what, what your, your feelings are about kind of where Denver's at with their rotation right now from a veteran contributor perspective. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that, you know, ideally they would have another veteran in the second unit just as, you know, a stabilizing kind of force because um, I think it was uh, – I think you, there, there's just been some inconsistencies with with Christian and Peyton. Like the highs have been really high and really promising. Um, but I, I, I don't think it would be accurate to say, you know, those have been sustained highs. I think there have also been uh, sustained valleys for these guys where they're kind of struggling to to – produce on the consistent level you'd like to see it at this point of the season, you know, or they're looking forward to the playoff. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned Justin holiday earlier, but I think he's a guy like he's as close as they're going to get to that um, veteran influence off the bench. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, he, he gets some playoff minutes just because Michael Malone seems to, seems to have a pretty good feeling for what Justin's going to provide when he's out there. You know, I think obviously the, the ceiling for, for Christian and Peyton and what they can do is certainly higher, even in a, in an individual game basis. But um, I, I don't think there's going to be much messing around, you know, in the playoffs. If, if one, either one of those guys has, you know, struggles for a game or two, I, I think Justin is a guy that they'll probably turn to. The other kind of aspect about Justin specifically, and we can, we can get to this also when we're ranking them in, in their entirety. Um, he can also hit those shots and he was willing to take those threes. And sometimes you just need a guy that hits three threes off the bench. And that's, that's like the change of pace that you're looking for. I'm not sure how many times Peyton's hit three threes. I'm not sure how many times, frankly, even Reggie's hit three threes lately. Uh, Christian's not really that, that level of shooter either. I, I think it's fascinating that, 
Justin is a three and D player. Like that's his, that's his role on the team. He is willing and able to take those threes. And it just wouldn't surprise me if he gets out there in a lot of these moments where Denver needs a little bit of spacing as opposed to defense. And as opposed to like the, the physicality, because like Justin's not going to be a super physical player. He's a little bit lighter than Christian. He's certainly lighter than Peyton, uh, but he he's connected. He's, he's good. Not going to make a bunch of mistakes on the perimeter. And I just, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes that direction. Despite the fact that, like, look, Christian deserves a lot of credit. Like, he he's brought himself back over the course of these past few games, and and especially out of the All Star break, and absolutely deserves the credit for kind of bouncing back in the way that he has brought, like, just the the consistent level of effort and connectedness. It's just sometimes he might miss some shots here or there that that you probably want him to hit. Yeah, and I think one thing that um, jumped out to me. And I, I don't have a specific date for this, but it was after the All Star break where Michael Malone said that he doesn't feel like Christian's ankles have been right mm-hmm. like all season, and, yeah. and so that was that was something that that really stood out to me just because it was something that that I had kind of forgotten about that he didn't um, he, he didn't play at all in the preseason was was then trying to jump back and, and play at the level that people had kind of expected him to play out after his his finals performance where you know I think there were some expectations that he was the guy who was going to make you know the leap this year and, and really be you know the the sixth man on a night-to-night basis but um I think it's there have been some in, in really encouraging signs from Christian since the all-star break um you know so if, if the ankles were an issue um you know you hope that that is that is getting to to be an afterthought now and he can kind of focus on getting back to the guy he was, you know, in, in that finals run specifically, because there were, there were other points in the playoffs where he wasn't really in the rotation, but um, for a guy to be able to have that finals experience to, to lean back on during the, the tougher times of the season, I think is something that that'll end up being pretty valuable for him. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And like, I still trust him in these moments. There's a, there's a lot of ways that he can impact the game. And it, it's like, even without the scoring aspect of things, there's a lot of ways that he can. Um, okay. So let's, Let's actually rank it then. Let's let's like discounting the starting lineup. We're not going to rank the starters. Who is the first guy off the bench that you have the most trust in right now? Or do you, actually, or should we go from Malone's perspective? Because I think that that's a that's an important distinction. Like, who would you trust the most versus who Malone would trust the most? I mean, I think right now, I think the the, the answer is the same, and I think it's Christian Brown, just mm-hmm. given the. He, he played a, a rookie in the finals. You know, I remember a couple of years ago yeah. when when the the talking point with Malone was, you know, he's never going to give the rookies much of a, uh, you know, runway to to establish themselves in the rotation. But, um, yeah, I I just think it's it, it's got to be Christian in terms of the the trust he has in them on a night to night basis defensively. And I think that's you know that's always where it's going to start for Malone is he's not going to put a guy out there who's just going to be food for an opponent. Um, and you know, Christian plays with pride even on you know, for even on the tougher nights, for the most part, he, he plays with a pretty solid effort level. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's it, this conversation starts with Christian. Minutes per game for Christian over the course of the last few months, October 22, just in four games, November 20.6, December 18.3, January 16.7 and February up to 20.5 over the course of 11 games. So I think he's kind of coming back to that. I, I do think that they've they've gone through a little bit of lulls here or there, but uh, I do think that the the true shooting is also one of those things. Like he's not giving a lot on the, the offensive side of the floor. In January, he shot 27.6% from three. February, he's at 28.6%. Before then, he was shooting the ball pretty well. So he's going to have to find ways to, to hit some shots over the course of these next few a few weeks and then into the playoffs because teams are going to dare him. They, they are going to dare him when he's out there. They'll leave him wide open. They'll leave him open in the corners. And that's one thing that I, if, if there's one major criticism about Christian's game uh, through this point, it's the, the actual corner three point percentage, because you're going to have to camp out in the corner at some points. And so far this year, like last year, he was shooting 41.7% or 40% from three, excuse me. I had the, the numbers wrong. 40% from three in the corners last year. This year, he's down to 27.3%. So there are going to be times where he's going to be left open and he's going to have to hit it. He's just going to have to do it. 
and I, I think that he will because he's a gamer, because he's a guy that you can trust in the playoffs. But Denver needs that spacing really badly. They just do. They, they need it to come from their wings. Yeah, I think we saw that against Sacramento, too, on Wednesday night. Like, there was just a, a stretch where Joker was getting Christian really open looks. And, and you know, to Christian's point, he kept shooting, even though I think he finished, like, one for six from three. But, uh, yeah, I think those are the kind of looks he can count on getting in the playoffs. And, and he's just got to be ready and, and confident to hit those. And I'm glad that he took them. Like, you, you have to take it every single time. It's a requirement that you take it every single time. And he had a couple go down and out. So, like, look. This can absolutely flip around for him, but I, he's he's going to have to prove it. He just will. All right. Who is your second circle of trust guy, Vinny? Yeah, I'm st- I'm, I'm going I'm stay I'm staying young and young and I'm going with Peyton. Uh, I think mm. he's going to kind of be in a position where Christian was last postseason, where he's going to get the initial opportunity, and it'll be kind of up to him to. Uh, retain his role throughout the playoffs, and if there are you know lulls, I think he'll he'll be the guy who kind of seeds minutes to Justin Holiday. But I think um, the the flashes have been too bright for a you know a good chunk of the season with Peyton. That um, he's I wouldn't say he's you know two feet in the circle of trust, but I think he's got one foot in there, and the the second foot is off the ground. Um, so yeah, I, I think right now it's. Um, Christian and Peyton are, are the top two guys. Such a fascinating kind of dichotomy there between Chris. Uh, be, so Christian, I think, is the right answer as the the first guy. Deciding between Peyton Watson and, and uh, Reggie Jackson is really fascinating because I, I do think that Denver, like you said, they're going to need the athleticism and the length and the physicality and the defense that Peyton can provide. That's going to have to happen. But they're also going to need a second ball handler. <laughs> they just are. Like, they, they, you maybe Michael Porter steps up in that regard, like we're talking about. Maybe KCP takes on a little bit more extra ball handling. Maybe Christian Brown could be one of those guys that gives them a little bit. But I also just think that Reggie's going to have to be good. Like, he's, he's just going to have to be out there at times, unless Jamal is playing 45 minutes a game. And that's that's a lot on Jamal's shoulders, especially a guy that's been as hurt as he has been. So, I think I'm going to go with Reggie at number two. I think I think there is a world where the guy that gets cut from the rotation in a seven-man rotation is Peyton Watson. And they have Reggie kind of mixing and matching between some of the defense, uh, the offense and defensive lineups that they have to have. And when Jamal is off the floor, they put Reggie out there. I believe in Peyton long-term there's no doubt about it like I I think that he will have some moments kind of like last year where Christian was out there pretty consistently but I do think that there's like if I was to kind of bet on which of those guys is actually out there for the majority of the time I think that it's more likely that Jokic, Gordon, and Porter are all playing like 40 plus minutes but oh my God! Like now, I'm, now I'm starting to think like who who comes in when those guys are not on the floor? That's a crazy thing. So I don't know if there's a good answer to this one. I think that Christian's the right answer is the sixth man. I don't know if there's a right answer for the seventh. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think it's you know, luckily I think for the most of the playoffs, I think it's going to start with at least an eight man rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if you know in, in a first round series if they like their matchup, and you know then I think you start with nine man especially, you know, in the first game or two, if, if you get in a, you know, a pressure situation and then, you know, I think it can be whittled down to seven or eight pretty easily. Um, but I, you know, I think eight, you gotta, you gotta have eight guys that you feel like you can, you can rely on just because running seven guys that much over what you hope to be a long playoff run, I think can kind of be a fool's errand or, or, you know, could, could negatively impact the team the farther the playoffs go on. So uh, I think the good news is, is, you know, whoever's seven, you know, I think the top eight are, are pretty clearly defined. So here's here's some interesting numbers for you. Reggie's numbers as a starter, uh, he's averaging 16 points, five assists, uh, shooting 61.4% true shooting. Those are great numbers. Those are like starting caliber point guard numbers, really good starter numbers. As a reserve this year, he's played 44 games over 900 minutes. 8.5 points, 3.4 assists in 20.6 minutes. True shooting down to 48.9%. 
So that's like where the Clippers and their fans were very critical of the Reggie minutes. Those are very similar to what he's now putting up in Denver as a reserve, as a consistent reserve. And he just hasn't been hitting those shots of late. Uh, if I just like sort by like month, 58.9 in November, 52.2 in December, 52.9 in January. In February, he's down to 45.3% true shooting. That's like Emmanuel Moutier. That's 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 a tough scene. So I I think there's a there's a world where he is also kind of cut from the rotation and Denver just goes without a point guard in some of their looks, kind of like what we were talking about. So I'm not sure what it's gonna be, man. Like I, I could see I could see the the order of Christian, Reggie, Peyton. I could see the order of Christian, Peyton, Reggie. I could see the order of Christian, Peyton, Justin Holiday. And you're cutting Reggie out entirely. It's fascinating to think about the lineups that Denver can go to. Yeah, you know, Reggie was one guy I thought the All-Star break was really going to benefit. It just felt like he he could use some time to get off of his feet. Especially, you think back to that, uh, I think the last game before the break, he was trying to guard De'Aaron Fox in the final two minutes while playing on a bum leg. And that was that was a that was kind of a horror show. Um, so I, I was kind of thinking the 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 break might do him some good and he'd come back um, a little recharged, but we haven't quite seen that yet. And it doesn't appear that any more rest is going to be on the way immediately for him with with Jamal's status uncertain for tomorrow. Um, yeah, so you know I think ideally you kind of got to have a secondary ball handler, and that there's no real you know obvious answer behind Reggie. So I feel like he's kind of a little bit more secure in that where um, you know Justin could steal. Christian or Peyton minutes. Um, I don't know if, you know, you know, Colin Gillespie's as it stands is not going to be eligible for the playoffs. We haven't seen Jalen Pickett, you know, establish, um, you know, much, much runway. Uh, so I think Reggie is kind of, I, I think he's a guy they're, they're going to count on in the playoffs. He's also a guy that I think is, might be, might be a little bit, injury prone in terms of man that he's going to take a beating in the playoffs. He's already, I think 33 and you just want another option, man. Like that's, that's where I keep coming back to of like, man, Denver made the decision. They made the conscious decision to not go get anybody in addition to who they have right now. And I'm just, I'm a little bit like, I get a little bit queasy when I start talking about like any of the bench options over a, a long period of time. And like, Hypothetically, if Jamal goes down, then like now you're you're in situations like they were last night where you're trying to figure out who do you close with? <laughs> how how do you close this game? So that's gonna be it's gonna be tough, man. I'm 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 interested to see it. Okay. So we've got those three guys. We're we're going with your your orientation here of Christian, Peyton, then Reggie. Then I assume it's Justin Holiday after that, or is there somebody else? Yeah, I mean it's Probably Justin Holiday. I just don't know. Um, I just don't know if it was a backup big. I have no feel for for who it would be. Um, but I, you know, I I think like I said earlier, you know, in a first two games of round one, I think you can start with a nine man rotation if if it's a matchup you're comfortable with. Um, it's just been so hard to get a read on on the backup big minutes because at the start of the season, you know, it was like a night to night basis. You know, uh, against a team like the Bulls with Andre Drummond coming off the bench, you had a pretty good idea that they were going to go with DeAndre to match that size. Uh, against a smaller ball second unit, it was you know, oh, that's a Zeke night, um, so they can you know be switchable on defense. But then there there were stretches of the season where even against uh, smaller second units. He was sticking with DeAndre Jordan of late. He's gone back to Zeke Naji almost regardless of matchup. Um, so, you know, I think one of those two guys is going to be involved at least in the first half of, you know, the first two games of the playoffs. I just don't have any feel for which one it's going to be. So uh, that'll, that'll be something to monitor, I think. The, the play last night where Zeke made a hustle play, I think he had a block and then runs the length of the floor he gets a switch underneath the basket. The ball kind of ping pongs around and finds him in kind of the mid post. And he has an opportunity to post up a smaller guy and immediately turns the ball over. 
Like Denver can't throw him the ball right now. And that's, that's one of those things that if, if you're running a switching system and other teams will be running switching against Denver as well, you need somebody that can kind of be an outlet for that. And Aaron Gordon is the perfect option for that with the second unit. So they're probably just going to go to that. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's going to be another big that's in the circle of trust. I, I think they're both outside of it. And you've got four kind of guards and wings here that will be within the circle of trust in Reggie, Christian, Peyton, and, and Justin Holiday in some order. But like, that's it. They, they, they are going to go to Aaron Gordon at the five for the vast majority of that time. And in the moments where they don't, it's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of an adventure. Um, that's for sure. And you know, I'm tr- I'm struggling to remember where we were at with the bench at this point last season. Um, actually, you know, this was probably a a little after the time they brought Reggie in last year, but it feels like this is about the time where they were just fully committing to Bruce Brown. Probably they probably had me you know, a month of it because the Bones Highland situation had soured. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's the most important thing of the remaining what 23 games is settling on a on a bench group and a bench identity because it's just like for so much we've heard they want to get stops get out and run with that group and you know if if they can do that i think that dictates maybe who that that secondary big is but then if um they get slowed down and it becomes more of a half court game like we've seen reggie and deandre have pretty good pick and roll chemistry at different points this season and especially when the game is slowed down in that half court, I think that's something that they could they could get back to. But I just think it's it's so inconsistent on and and determined by style of play and and maybe even opponent. So I think I think that that is probably the hardest part about this exercise is, is trying to project this without knowing who who the opponent and what what the matchup might look like. Because I think that also will will play a pretty big determining factor in you know how these bench minutes get get divided come the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Rob, actually, he makes a good point in the comments here. Might see DeAndre Jordan against many ups, a a team that has three centers that they are trying to play at the same time. So listen, if DeAndre Jordan can't play in that series, then there's not a series that I don't think that he really can or should play in. That's, That's probably my biggest takeaway from that. But last year, Denver was able to go with Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon on that front line. And they, they were able to both kind of switch that matchup when you faced off against a player like Carl Anthony towns and Gordon did a good job at times. Jeff green did a good, a good job at times. And Denver was able to survive because of that. So look, they can't really do the same thing with Peyton Watson. Like he's, she's just smaller. And it's one of the reasons why I think Michael Porter will probably stagger with the second unit a little bit more. And then you start just getting into, man, they've got, They've got so many starters that are staggering with the second unit that they are not playing their starting unit anymore. So that's uh, that's one of my one of my main issues about the way that this was handled. But look, like tough tough cookies. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of how it's got to be. It's it's one of those situations. Denver kind of made their own bed with this, and they've gotta they've gotta survive it. They've gotta figure it out. So I'm I'm curious to see the direction that they go. But. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I've really got for for circle of trust, man. Any other kind of parting takeaways on the on the rotation here? No, just that you know, feels like a tough break for Julian Strother. It feels like that injury kind of um, wiped out whatever chance he had to to make a claim for for postseason minutes. I just don't know if he's going to have the runway to to kind of establish that trust. And and to be fair, you know, I don't know if he was necessarily on that direction you know, on that path before the injury, but, but there were flashes where you could see that just his shot making ability brought something to that second unit. Um, I just, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to have, you know, enough chances to, to kind of reaffirm whatever small trust he had established early on. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a tough break for the rookie. Once Denver kind of gets through this tough stretch of their schedule, kind of getting into mid-March a little bit, I hope they get Julian Strother some minutes uh, just in that that final stretch there, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to. I'm not sure if Michael Mullen's going to be willing to, but would be nice to see him get some playing time, if only just to just to see if it's an option, because like they they haven't really been able to see what one way or the other. So 
will be interesting to find out. Well, he is Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette. Anything you've got going on, Vinny, that, that you want to kind of plug here at the end? Absolutely not. I got nothing going on. I'm just uh... – <laughs> You guys know where to find me. It's on Twitter. I, I share some of my, most of my work there. So if you're so inclined, I, I would be appreciate, appreciative of a few clicks. Vinny's been on the beep for a while here. If you aren't following him, what are you doing? He does a great job. He puts out great content and does a fantastic job of communicating the message from the nuggets as, as one is supposed to do from this, uh, from this beat room. So Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to hit the like button down below, the subscribe button down below. That would be very, very helpful. Uh, like I said earlier, go buy the shirts. Uh, go sign up for the event that we've got going on tomorrow night. Would love to see you guys in person. Uh, that would be tremendous. Uh, would be would be cool to meet all of you or as many of you as possible. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.